Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best life. I'm Michelle Scharf. And I'm Jenny Taylor. And Michelle. Today we're going to talk a little bit. It's us. It's us. It's you and me. It's a co-host conversation about kind of a little bit what's next. We talk a lot every single week about tragedy, trial, love, loss, despair, and resilience obviously Mm -hmm. is this ability to, to keep going or stick it out or rise above, however you want to define it. Let's talk a little bit today about what you and I have learned about this one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Um, I think every single widow in the world and others who've lost people hate the term moving on. Have you moved on? Yeah. We'll never move on. I don't want to move on. I will move forward. Yep. I'll probably sometimes move backwards. Yeah. I'm probably sometimes going to fall down. And so one thing that I really wanted to ask you about, because you and I, of course, are friends in real life, but we're also friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I watched this cool thing you did on mm-hmm. Facebook back in January when it was New Year's, New Start, New Horizons. We all know how I feel about that. But now we're a couple months into the year. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell us what you did in January with your vision boarding. And you you built kind of a whole plan. It wasn't just show up with some stickers and a poster and write a couple things. It was very intentional. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your planning into that day, the reasoning behind that, and just the concept of vision boarding, goal setting, and how it's working Mm -hmm. or has worked for you. So Michelle, teach us. So you know what's interesting is I started last year kind of going through this uh, life coach program to like learn how to be a life coach. And I'm still in that process. And I find it fascinating. But I just put out on Facebook something about a vision board. And people were like, oh, I'm interested in in what is that? I've never done that before. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I should put on a vision board class. Now, I've never done a vision board class. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about you, Michelle. They're just all in. Not only am I going to create a vision board for 2022, I'm going to teach y'all the rest of the way to do it. So like I've done my own version of vision boards for years throughout the last 30 years of my life. Um, And, you know, I've never really taken a class on it. I've never done a course on it. I've never done anything. But I had all this interest on Facebook and I thought, well, I'll just put together a group. Well, the group grew to over 20 people. Oh my goodness. Like within hours. And I had to like, cut it off and, sure. and remove the post off my Facebook wall because because everyone so in January wants a vision. Somebody yes. give me a vision. So I, here I am planning it for the third week of January. And I was thinking, well, man, I should have done this at the end of last year, you know? Mm, yeah. And then some real magic occurred. So I put it together. I'm dating a guy named Michael and I told Hi, Michael. <laughs> And uh, he was like, oh, I want to do this with you. So we start working and collaborating together of like, what what might this look like? And at first I started off kind of base level, like 
vision boarding 101. Can we stop there and let's do vision boarding 101? Because I know what a vision board is because my sister vision boards all the Uh time. Most people have probably heard the two words together, vision board. Give Give me vision board 101. So a vision board is really simple. A lot of people just glue some photos to a board of things that they want. Mostly it's usually like a big fat house, a fancy car, a, a picture of Hawaii. A, yeah, a big vacation, gold, big, big, big dreams, you know. And some people intentionally set their intentions for that vision board for that year in hopes that they are working towards those goals. So it's a visual reminder of yes. things you want to work on mm-hmm. or your intentions or your hopes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any other parameters? I mean, something physical to look at. Uh, well, I think that that's Vision Board 101. Okay. So Vision Board 101 would be like people, when they think of a vision board, they think of big, fat, huge dreams on a board. And I would say probably maybe not a lot of people actually put it in a place in their house where they look at all the time. Because that would be the idea is if you're going to see it, that reminding is idea. yourself to maybe make steps towards So those throughout goals. my life, I used to put it on the side of my bed. So instead okay. of a, a picture, the, I had a vision board. Awesome. Um, or I had a cork board with um, my stuff on, on it, it that I changed out or I had affirmations on that board or whatever. Okay. So throughout my life, and my husband would always be like, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> he, he was not into it. A lot of the times I would say some of those things were not really things that... I really cared one way or another about whether or not I actually achieved them. They were just like, oh, that'd be nice to have that fancy car or, uh, okay. you know, stuff like that. Um, in fact, I, I would say this started for me when I was like 16 and I, I went to the Porsche dealership and I got a a, <laughs> a 928S and it was blue and white interior and it was beautiful and I stuck it on my wall. That was probably my first. So you've got this dream. Yeah. Yeah. So how was this last January's vision board experience different for you from just cutting out cool, awesome someday pictures from a magazine. Last year I did one and I found something on relationships and I wish I had more planning to to be here today. I would have copied it off and brought it in here so I could read it off to you. But it was something on relationships where it was like, he accepts my past, loves me for who I am today and supports my future. So this is something you're writing as if mm-hmm. it's already the person in your life, yes. but you're kind of manifesting this goal mm-hmm. that that's who's going to be in my life. Yep. Okay. And then um, there was some uh, other relationship goals that I had on it. And that was really important to me because I wanted to start dating last year. Seriously. I had been dating on and off and like dabbling my toes in the dating pool of Utah and it was not fun and uh, <laughs> sounds and difficult. disastrous. It sounds disastrous. And you know the stories. Most I do. of them were disastrous. Were disastrous. Yes, <clears throat> I didn't know what I was doing. So this was 2021. You kind of wanted to look for maybe more depth. Yeah, in relationship finding. Yeah, and I would say I kind of started on that path in 2020, but then COVID hit, so then yeah. everything got delayed. So it was really 2021, and then I had like. There was a Porsche that I really liked, and I actually put another Porsche on t- 
my board because <laughs> I've been buying tickets on Omaze and I want this car. It's my favorite car. I love it so much. It's a GT3, a Porsche GT3. No matter how many years and ups and downs of life, Michelle, you still have that same goal that 16-year-old Michelle had. I know, and I've owned a Porsche. I've owned several Porsches throughout the year. So You've, you've made it happen. I love that. I know. So um, I, I love those cars. I love the tuning of those cars. They just sound so beautiful to me. It's just interesting. I, you know, for a girl, I, I do have some, like, s- some motors, the way they sound are just, they make my heart skip a beat. <laughs> and, and I, I know I'm, I'm going to upset Harley fans, but I don't like the sound of a Harley motorcycle, but give me a Honda Shadow and oh my gosh, I love the sound of that those bikes. That is hilarious because I'm not sure I could even tell the difference <laughs> and I don't care to learn. So, all right. Okay. Back but, to your vision board. You would know the difference well, if I shared okay. it with you. Um, so anyway, um, so that's kind of the idea of the vision board. Well, I would say that that vision board, the only thing that I really cared about was that relationship goal. And okay. I did read that a lot. And I thought, sometimes I would read it and I, I would think, is there anyone ever really going to accept me for who I am? I mean, John yeah. knew me since I was 17. Sure. He met me and probably not always the the... <clears throat> I was young, so, yeah. I mean, I wasn't always my best me. Well, you grew up together, Yeah, really. we grew up together. So, like, yeah. who's going to accept me for all of those things, you know? And they don't really have to accept it. I mean, they do need to accept it, but they don't really have to like it or sure. appreciate my path, yeah. right? But they have to but understand it's part that of who you are It is today. part of who I am, and, yeah. and, like, John is part of who I am, right? Right. So he helped shape me to be who I am. So yeah. in some ways, they have to learn to love him, too. Anyway, I would say that stumbling onto Michael was a gift to me last year. And um, who knows where it will lead and go. Sure. But we are definitely, there's parts of him that I appreciate so much because he's so growth-oriented and growth-minded. So when this vision board thing came up, we started working on it together. And at first, I was thinking, let's do that just broad one because everyone was saying to me, I've never done one before. And so I was thinking, well, how do you really take people who've never done a vision board and really get them to kind of go deeper with it? And I've never done this before, you know? Anyway, through collaborating with Michael, we got to a place where we kind of incorporated a lot of different aspects. And so what I did is I had people come show up and we did a meditation and we got present in the room where we were, let let our stresses go, and then started being able to think about big dreams. Where do you want to go in the future? What is the kind of house you want to live in? Where do you see yourself um, on vacation? And try to like get people to dream big dreams. But then we didn't really just want to have that as the main focus. We also talked about where do you see yourself? We talked about loving ourselves. We talked about how do you see yourself in the next year? When you get to the end of this year, where do you want to be now from where you are today? You know, to try to see that difference of growth, of personal growth, like spiritual, emotional relationship development. And so then after the meditation, we talked about what we kind of felt were three areas that were key areas to living our best life. And that is gratitude and abundance and gratitude being the key to abundance. 
And so um, that was the first one. And I spoke about that. And I've spoken about that before, I think, in in our Thanksgiving special. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, we talked about that. So you could probably go listen to that one if you want to hear about my thoughts on gratitude yeah. being the key to abundance. So we talked about that for a little bit. And then we talked about love and we talked about connection. So this is all before you began actually building a vision board. This yep. is the discussion. This is the meditation. Yep. This is the preparation. Yeah. So we did that little meditation. And then we talked about these three elements being really abundance, but gratitude being the key to abundance. Yeah. And then love. And when we talked about love, we talked about loving ourselves. Right. Absolutely. That. Until we learn to love ourselves for who we are, where we are, for our past mistakes, kind of embracing that shadow side to us, yeah, we can't really move forward. No. Those were the main focus areas that we talked about. And then we wrapped up and then we started building boards. Some people completed theirs. Some people stayed really late to complete theirs. Some people... Um, Came, stayed, ate, socialized, and then just had food for thought. They really weren't prepared. And, you know, some people, I feel like they had some work to do in order to, like, really get to where they needed to really put their board together. One of the things I had them do right before we started the actual vision board creation process was we wrote a letter to ourselves. But we need to take a break, and I'll talk to you about that when we come back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back, and I was going to tell you, so I had everyone write a letter to themselves. I actually still have these letters. I had them address them, seal them in an envelope, and address them to themselves. I'm going to send them to them. One year? No. when? At the end of the month. Oh, okay. Pretty quick. And the letter was just, I asked them to write a love letter to themselves, and why it is that they think that they felt the way they did about dreaming the dreams that they dreamt and why those dreams were important. And the reason I did that is so that in a month when I send them to them, if they haven't done their board, if they haven't completed the board, if they kind of lost vision or excitement about the board, I want them to remember that moment of connection with themselves that we created that day. And and the commitment of where they wanted to see themselves, why that was there. Because sometimes we need a little reminders. And I just thought, 
Wouldn't it be cool if we were the ones reminding ourselves? Hey, I love this, and I've been experiencing this a lot at home lately. You know, we're getting ready to move. We're yeah. building a house. So it I don't know how long it will be. It's not any time right away, but it's enough time that we got to go through all the junk in my house. And I have um, two particular storage totes, you know, just a little Rubbermaid tote oh. with a lid, that has things from high school or college. It has things from the time I served a church mission um, in Chile when I was a youth counselor in the summers. So it has some of these really young introspective time of my life when I was single and figuring out who I was and what I wanted out of my life. And I am, we all know, a word person, a verbal person. And I have just journals and journals and letters and letters and things I don't often take time for at this stage mm-hmm. in my life right now. But I am loving finding some of these because it's me reminding me Right. It's not some self-help book. It's not somebody saying, Jenny, you got this. Cheer up. It's me almost testifying to myself or expressing to myself my capacity or my fear or my drive or my dream and my goal. And this is where I loved that you said the Porsche was on your board then and now and several times Mm -hmm. in the middle. Because I think sometimes when we grow up, And we try to become adults and responsible and take care of just the cares of life. Sometimes we lose sight of who we were when we were younger. Now, I'm not saying we should go back to who we were because hopefully we do all grow up Mm -hmm. and mature and Mm -hmm. progress. But at this stage in my life, losing Brent, having a pandemic, have everything that felt normal gone. I'll admit that's been kind of unsettling. And I'm sure I'm not the only widow. It has nothing to do with COVID alone did not bring that, right? If you've been through, whether it's widow or another type of loss or tragedy or trial, just unexpected shift Mm -hmm. in life. But one thing I've really loved, and Lindley Baker, who was one of our guests actually twice, we did a two-part episode with her several weeks back. She is kind of a coach Mm -hmm. and she and I got to talking and she's been very helpful in helping me connect to myself. Mm -hmm. Now, not going back in time and being stuck in Mm -hmm. the past But connecting the fact that I am still that person, I still have those same passions and goals and dreams. Yes, they've matured, they've changed, they've morphed, they've Mm -hmm. progressed because I've chosen that and it's not been forced. But I'd be one of those people at your party that would have to probably go home and think a little bit more. I don't think I'd be able to flip through the magazine or the die cuts and say, here's exactly where I am. That's where I am in my life right now. People say, well, what do you want to do? I, oh, I'm still trying to figure out who I am anymore. That is such, and it's important to take yeah, the time to do that. It is important. It is such a big question. Yeah. And I would say that I've been pretty stuck on it myself. I quit my job in 2020 right before the pandemic yeah, I hit. I remember that. Um, I'd been a lobbyist for five years out traveling intense. for intense, uh, yeah. going up against some really big technology companies. And it was a tense, stressful job. I was grateful for it throughout my and you were very good life. at it. I'm good at it. Yeah. And I I needed to figure out what is my next step? What is my purpose? I think it's great that you have the Brent Taylor Foundation. And and that has been a driving f- purpose for you. A lot of widows will s- create foundations. Usually about five years out, they kind of dismantle or disappear. Yeah. Right. And the reason that happens is they figure out how to move forward in a different way or they get, they get remarried or, or it's just too unsustainable. It becomes a burden, not right. It it takes on its own. Right. Exactly. So there's a lot of reasons for that. 
When I lost John, uh, John's hobby was race cars. And he was a professional driver out at the track in Tooele. And I had thought that I would want to get together a whole bunch of people with fancy, really nice cars and put a foundation together where we could have track days and do yeah. um, for people that are dying of cancer, kids, rides on the track for kids, men. I mean, some people find that really exciting and they really want to do it. And other people are really excited about it, but have a lot of fear about sure. it. Um, but they ultimately people just don't know how to create those opportunities. And I thought that that would be a great way to honor John. But my financial advisor said, you know, you can do that at any time. Yeah. Take the time for you. Because I've seen people do this and spend a lot of their money and then they end up. And then they end up choosing a different direction. Right. Yeah. And they end up having some of their choices taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So I am so grateful for my financial advisor, which I just love that man. Because I feel like a lot of the advice he gave me has been so good, not only for finances, but really for managing through the process of grief itself. It's crazy. I mean, the guy I chose for my finances is probably even more helpful in some ways than my therapist. (laughs) It's true. You're building a good support network. I know. It's it's the truth. He's amazing. So uh, I'm really grateful for that. But anyway, I think that when we set out to do things as a widow or widower, that first year is complicated. You've often joked and laughed and it's the truth and said (laughs) that I break all the rules (laughs) because I do. I bought, I built my home. I started it four months after my husband died. You're not supposed to make any big life decisions in that first year. Yeah. So some things I did really broke the, the, the ideal rules of what we we're supposed to be doing um, that first year. It ended up being a really good process for me. You know, my husband and I had remodeled the home that we were in. We were remodeling it when he got sick. We had to wrap that up in quick hurry because my husband was like, well, we're going to either need to sell this. There was a lot of property with it and I didn't want the property, but my husband loved his little mini ranch, mini farm. And I didn't, I'm a city girl through and through. So there's zero interest for, for that for me. So for me, it was a great way to start over. And so within a year, I was in a new home and a new space. And I love that space that I created was very intentional. It was about healing. It was about moving forward. And for me, that really worked. So when I hear you say, we're building a new home. A lot of people might think, oh my gosh, that is a lot to take on. You're crazy. You have seven kids. You're building a home. Like It's, it's one thing it's to buy a one home. Of, it's been one of the best things we've done in the last three years. Hands I, down. I bet Hands down. your kids for the process. Yeah. There's such a process involved in it, building. It really is. And you get that. It's not just the final product. And I think that's kind of the message today of vision boarding or moving forward or whatever you want to call it. Making intentional steps to build something, Mm -hmm. whether it's the sticker I put on my board or the hole I dug on my lot or if if it's a new home you buy or something that's different too. 
I think sometimes we get caught up in those should haves or what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to, and we say, well, I don't like the whole one year thing. And I mm-hmm. understand they're saying don't make a lot of decisions in the first year. I know the intent means give yourself space and time. Mm-hmm. I think the unintended assumption becomes, well, after a year, I'll be ready to make all my decisions. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. I think one of the hardest days in my grief journey was day year one plus one day. Yeah. When I woke up a year later and I made it to the anniversary of Brent's death and the next day he was still dead. Right. And and a lot of my identity was wrapped up in him. And, and I think a lot of marriages well, I are. I think when we first hear about death. Don't we hear the first year's the, the first year's so hard. That's such a lie. It's such a lie. And and when you get in the widow groups, as soon as you start to get close to that second year, then what do you hear from all of the widows that have been ten years out? They say second Oh, the second the year's the hardest. Yeah. And I would agree. Yeah. Although I would say, and I think you've had the same experience as me this year, my discovery was the third year the was third year. The, it was for hard. Me, for me the reason the third and the third year had a lot of reasons. Part of it was because you're starting to wake up a little more. And I think the timeline would be different for different people. Maybe they don't need a whole year. But like the first stage of grief is so numb, so shocking. So you're just in this fog. Fog. We've all called it the widow fog. Mm -hmm. The second stage really just hurts. And you start to feel more because some of the fog wears off and it's like the the anesthetic wearing off and the pain is still there. And people expect you and people, to be There's that done. social norm right. that you've hit a year, you made it, right. and how are you moving on? But I think the third well, stage- Well, not only that, you made it. Can you please move on so I don't have to be uncomfortable about so your So I don't have anymore. to worry. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think that's another conversation for another day. Why- we as a society want widows to remarry. Mm-hmm. And I think remarriage can be a beautiful thing. Okay, blah, right. you know how I feel about that, whatever. <laughs> but I do, I think, in our mind, well, if you remarry, or now mm-hmm. you've got Michael in your life, and like you said, who knows where that's going, but right now it's beautiful. That does not take away the fact that you lost John. Right. It does not make you not a widow or erase that grief. But for me, this third period and, and, and this third year coming in, I, I'm no longer as numb as I was. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the pain's as sharp and deep as it was, you know, kind of that ache and agony. But what it is now is it's just the realization that we're in this for the long haul. This is not like a wound that heals and then all of a sudden you forgot you ever had that incision or that broken bone. But finding how to move forward intentionally. Mm -hmm. And for me, part of it has been trying to figure out who I am. Which involves looking at who I was, who I became while married to and living with Brent Taylor, who I had hoped we would become had Mm -hmm. we lived till we were 90 together, who I now have hope that I can become. And that's been a real journey. And part of it is my faith and the culture Mm -hmm. here in Utah. I've been a stay-at-home mom for 15 years, and all of a sudden, my provider is not here, and all of a sudden, I have these other opportunities that feel like a good opportunity both for myself to heal and also to maybe help someone else, but it takes me out of my home. It's been very, um, I I feel like I'm on a pendulum. I'm the trapeze swinger Mm -hmm. just going back and forth. But here's what I found, and this is why I'm loving building this house, and this is why I think I'd have to come back to day two of your vision building. I think I would need a Mm two-day. I would need the introspective. I would need to kind of observe and see maybe where other people are taking this idea and what my little die-cut options are. And then I need to go home and sit on it. But then I'd have to come back or I'd never get it done. Yeah. But what I'm realizing is, as I'm on this pendulum or swinging on this trapeze, what's making me feel more at peace now 
even though there's still so many unknowns, is the fact that I've built a safety net. Yeah. And you think of a trapeze artist, what's the first trick they learn? I bet it's how to fall. Yeah, for sure. I bet it's how to fall. So as I'm watching this house in my backyard get built, and sometimes they show up and move quickly, and sometimes they're not here for a few days, and sometimes they mess up and have to do something over, and that's frustrating. And yet the process is so beautiful. You know what Mm -hmm. they did first? They did a lot of prep work. Mm -hmm. They did a couple months of prep work before they ever even started to build a thing. And then they dug a lot of mud and frozen ground. I mean, just the symbolism, the Mm -hmm. object lesson. And so for me and my kids, this is something we are building. It's something we're creating rather than for the past three years, it feels like everything's just fallen apart or become more hectic or become more chaotic, which we're good at chaos. Mm -hmm. Like I can run around in the chaos with the best. I can run a foundation and run the Mm -hmm. kids and run the PTA and still have no clue where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like I am now. And I love your... The vision board concept, not just being someday I want a Ferrari and a trip to Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Who do I want to be? What are these affirmations that I want to be manifest in my life of these relationships I have, whether with my children or someone else or my husband's family, for an example? Yeah. What path do I want to take? I don't know. And that's okay. The social norms can tell me I have to pick and I have to decide right now and I have to jump into No, I don't. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. There's no time limit on being intentional, right? So I could come to your party and the time would be up and I still wouldn't be done. But you could still help me with that reflection and yeah. that contemplation. So I love the concept. I think it's – and we should uh, – we have to take another break. But when we come back, we'll talk about that intentionality that you talked about because that's really important about how we move forward. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So I love that when you opened the last time when we came back, you talked about that intention. And it is all about the intention. And so the concept of a vision board itself is to look at it every day and connect with where you're on that path, right? So what are you doing today that helps support you in creating that goals? I have some goals for some family members of mine that they don't even know that they're on my vision board. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that those goals are not so... Uh, physical, like I don't need to necessarily involve them in it, but my intention and my thought patterns and my feelings towards healing some relationships are are present when I take a moment to look at that board and read through all of the things that I have on that board. In creating the board, it was really interesting because while Michael and I were planning stuff, we were talking about our dreams. And so Michael tells me I'm cheating, but um, on my board is Ibiza, Spain. And what happened is uh, I stumbled on the fact that my childhood favorite band is Duran Duran. I was 16 I years, did not know. 16 years old when I saw them, and they are doing a three-day event in Ibiza, Spain. It's a little island off of Spain. <laughs> and we're going. I love it. 
Our flights are booked. Oh my gosh. When Hotels is it? are How booked. How soon? Um, it's May 27th through, oh. I mean, April 27th through May 7th or 8th. Awesome. So he tells me I'm cheating by putting it on there, but I'm like, I'm not cheating because it was, it came out. Yes, it's already booked and it, right. it's already scheduled, but it really was the process of what is your dream? Like, what would you, because I started thinking about things in big ways and it was crazy because I just sent it to him. I said, oh my gosh. I don't know if you even know these guys, but oh my gosh, I love so awesome. I love this. And he's like, oh my gosh, that is something I would totally love to do. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes, I would do that with you. I'm like, you would go to Spain with me. And he's like, yes. And we have booked our hotels, our cars, our flights, the whole thing. And I'm shocked that I've created this with this person that I've been dating for really a very limited amount of time, really. And it's going to be an experience. We will either totally hate each other. <laughs> no better time to find out than spending that I much mean, time together. I know, right? You travel on a plane that long, you're stuck in in close quarters or, you know, whatever. It'll it'll be interesting to travel and, and, and you know, time, like how people explore things and how you, you do things on a trip is very telling. So anyways, that that's fun and, and that's exciting. So it is with that intention that you set out of like when you start to make those dreams or those ideas, like how fast is it just from coming to the awareness? You started talking about my kids are right on top of each other. You got sent so much many things yeah. after Brent's death not only from people who love you all over the country and world, but from the army itself. And there's just so much stuff. We have a lot of stuff. That is you have a lot of stuff. And I I, I remember showing up in your house when you just gotten all of these boxes sent to Mm -hmm. you. All of Brent's things, all of Brent's things and, and his office. Oh my gosh. And I was like, that is overwhelming. And then you have seven kids and they're all growing. Yeah. You you know, and I'm sure you and Brent had plans for to not be in that house forever. And so it's like, yeah, you get to the point where you have to start moving forward. And it is interesting as a woman. I mean, for me, it's like my husband was a builder and and we built homes together. Sure. That was part of your it was part of my life. I actually really found out that I really enjoyed building my home. <laughs> I'm even more so without my husband because I'm I got to do it. everything that I wanted <laughs> with no exceptions. And I love my oh. home. So, and you know, I think here's the deal that intentionality, what happened? I created a home where I was very intentional that this was going to be a place for me to recover, to focus, to heal. And that it would be my respite and my place of peace from the world. And people come to my home and they take a deep breath and they are like, this home is so peaceful. And they connect with that feeling. It's a very intentional, the way everything is laid out in my home, the way I can have 20 people over for a vision board class. Yeah. And there's somehow enough room to, to accommodate it. That weekend was really great. I, I will say... If I ever do this again, I think I want to make it a six-part series. I probably have to charge for it because 
I didn't charge anything for it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that a would lot be of fair. things. I think that would be totally things, fair. but um, I would start it completely different, and I would not start with like, "What are your big dreams?" I would start with, "Do you love yourself? What areas of your life? What do you today?" Where can you forgive yourself? Mm-hmm. If there was one thing that you could go back well, and forgive that's a yourself great question. for. That's a great question. You know, that question actually was derived yesterday where I felt inspired to ask it of Michael. And then he turned around on me and asked it of me. How dare he? <laughs> and we ended up having a really uh, emotional and exhausting day. But we had some real depth of conversation yeah. and some real honesty and vulnerability and honesty with yourself, not just with each other. It, it was I mean, vulnerable because we were being honest with one another and we shared yeah. what that truth was for each of us. And it was pretty baseline truth, I think. Um, but, you know, Michael said something to me at the end of the day that I thought was interesting. He's like, what if we asked ourselves that every day? Because every day there's some area of our lives that we get to forgive ourselves for. And there's layers, right? We discover there are things that we've done that maybe we haven't forgiven ourselves for. And I think that's where I would begin with people because I think that that's the disconnection with all of the things that have happened in the last two years, all of the disconnection of relationships, all of the disconnections with our work, our families, our way of life, our way of connecting in the world. Um become so disconnected. I think the first place that we need to connect in with is not necessarily with others. I think we need to start figuring out how to forgive and love ourselves. And if we start there, I feel like the intention of where we would take ourselves would take on a whole different place. I think you are so right. This has been such a powerful conversation, Michelle. I love how it started with, hey, let's put stickers on a board. (laughs) But it's so much more than that. That intentionality that, you know, we know relationships are so important. Mm -hmm. We sometimes forget the relationship with our self, our past self, our our future Mm -hmm. self, our current self. And, And you've given us a lot to think about. I love that question. Is there something where today could you forgive yourself? What What would you think of if there were one thing you could just really let yourself let go of? How would that free you? I think you've given us a lot to think about. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We always wish we had more time because there's always more than enough uh, to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. We hope you'll find us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a like, a rating, and a review. And what we really hope is that you'll give us a chance to share your story. If you or someone you know has been through something that has taught you resilience and helps you learn some of these tools, please join us share that story with us and with our listeners you can find us on facebook and instagram and you can email us at rrpodcast at ksl.com remember whatever you do today remember to be kind you have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their lives have a great day thanks everybody i'm dave Colley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. 
Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.